This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, so today's Pentecost Sunday. And uh, anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And I want to jump up and down, shout Jesus, give few people high fives. And I just get really excited about Pentecost. And I want to, this morning, I want to um, give us a bit of context. Uh, it's like, I feel like God has given me a holy mission to, to focus on the whole gospel or the full gospel. You see, currently in the church world, there's like the diverging groups. There's some people that vehemently deny that the power of God and the supernatural is still for today. And there's another group that's saying, man, it is the fullness of Christ is still for today. The power of God is still for today. So I want to sort of build a, a case, like a biblical case, just to, 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 to take us to the scriptures and show you what the original deal looked like. And it begins with Pentecost. It all starts with Pentecost. Pentecost is the context. Yeah? Often when you speak to people, especially the, of the fivefold ministry, the teachers, they are very focused on what's called hermeneutics. You need to read the Bible right, and you need to read the Bible, the Scriptures, in context. So you can't just take out a verse and get weird with it. You need to, you know, there's context. So I want to reveal to you today that the context of the New Testament is Pentecost. The context is the power of God moving mightily. The context is a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following. You know, so for many people, they, they haven't experienced it yet, so they get confused about it. They, they, we, we, we tend to look at the church culture around us and we think that's the norm. That's not the norm. The Bible is the norm. We need to, get to go back to the scriptures and actually see what happened in the Bible. That is the norm. Amen. So um, I, I shared this a while ago, and I shared this on Friday, but I, I want to share this again. That we had a funeral here, and, and, I, and I realized, you know, many of us come with a certain idea, a certain mindset when it comes to the things of God, and sometimes we've had ex- negative experiences, or there's been excesses and weird things, and then we're like, man, this is all rubbish, so you want to, like, run the other way. Now, my grandfather was... Uh, uh, a professor in surgery. Okay, I shared this a while ago. He was a professor in surgery. And he was a man of science. And he was like, man, I'm looking at the church and they're a bunch of hypocrites. So he wants nothing to do with the church. And then, um, and, and being, being a man of science, he didn't believe that there's a spirit realm. He didn't believe that God is real. Until the one day, he was driving from the hospital to... Um, to back home, and suddenly he picked up, man, I'm, I have symptoms of a heart attack, pain in his heart, pain in the shoulder, and so he turned around, he chased back to the emergency ward, and he like walked in, and he knew the nurses and the doctors, everybody says, hey guys, <laughs> I think I'm having a heart attack, so they put the sensors on him, and he sat on the bed and something, and then at some point, things went wrong, and he had a heart attack. Now his account is the following, he says the next moment, he was sitting against the ceiling, while he was looking down on his body, and the nurses and the doctors were working on his body. <laughs> Isn't that? Wow. Man of science. A brilliant man. 
Who knows? Until he had one encounter and he was looking from the ceiling, looking down on his body and was like, ooh. <laughs> and they resuscitated him. They shocked him. His heart started to, to, to beat again and his spirit came back into his body. And he was a brilliant, uh, it was brilliant with, with woodwork as well. And he actually he, he made out of a piece of wood what he saw when he was looking from the top down. Now, why is this profound? It's like we are all one encounter away from changing our minds about the things of God. And I, and I believe the part of the mission that, that the Lord has called us to is to help people, especially skeptics. And God has been using me on multiple ways to help skeptics to have a change of heart and a change of mind and to encounter the living God. Okay. So when it comes to the things of God, it might look weird, it might seem weird, it might feel out of the box, but it doesn't mean that it's not real. You know, real science goes wherever the evidence leads. And if there's real life change, that's, that's evidence of a real God. Okay, so I want to take us to Pentecost, and I want to give you the context of the New Testament. The context. Okay, so in Acts chapter 2. There's a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's take it one step back. For two weeks, these disciples have been praying. For two weeks, been praying, been seeking the face of God. And they've been, um, Jesus said to them, go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They had no idea what it would look like. Like, what's it going to look like? I don't know. Oh, we wait. So for two weeks, they were praying. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out mightily. That the eyewitness account says they saw fire, tongues of fire on the heads of people. On the 120, they literally saw fire on the heads of people. These guys started to speak in human languages supernaturally. Languages that they did not know. And, it was just, and thousands of people were drawn to that place. So they were speaking human languages. And these people were like blown away. They're speaking my language. They're speaking my language. They're speaking my language. What is going on here? You know, two weeks ago, we had a service here, and at the end of the service, um, we were praying for people, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me just to, to pray or to sing in tongues. Now, tongues is your, your prayer language, your spirit speaking to God. And one of the ladies here in our church, she, Carla, she's a Messianic Jew. She understands Hebrew, reads the Hebrew Bible, and she told me afterwards, Andre, you spoke in Hebrew when you sang about two, three weeks ago. And the one word I used was the word for father. Father in Hebrew, and the other word was maximum. I'm like, yes, God, bring maximum. More of you, God. Bring your fullness into our lives. And multiple, multiple times in my life, I've spoken supernaturally human languages. Again, evidence of Acts chapter 2, that it's still for today. So anyway, thousands of people come, and they look at these disciples, and they're like, what the heck is going on here? These people look drunk. So in other words, the, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them in such a way that it, people looking on, skeptics looking on like, man, they just drunk. <laughs> What's going on here? You see, and that's what happens often when the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are impacted. And you actually, it overwhelms your senses at times that some people tend to fall over some things. It's out of the box. But when God shows up, Things tend to go out of the box, okay? You can't put God in a box. He's outside of the box. Amen. So we went to a show for Marmosbury also a few weeks ago. And uh, 
had an incredible time in the presence of God. Now, now this church is, I would say, about 70% our size, 75% of our, our church size, and they have not, they don't know the, the power of God or moving in the supernatural. Uh, in, in the sense like we have. And so the Sunday morning, uh, in, during worship, I, I get a prophetic song about the river of life, about the Holy Spirit that wants to move, wants to be poured out in, um, in our midst. And, and, and it was such a God. It was one, probably one of the most powerful prophetic worship moments I've ever experienced. It was just like, it was next level. Next level. To such an extent that, and they, the people in this church don't fall over. You know, some people like to fall over, but, you know, when it's not the culture, people don't fall over, okay? That's not, but in, 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 and suddenly the power of God started to move into the audience, and some of the people started to fall over under the power of God as, as, as God came into the house. It was beautiful. I was a little bit weird. I was like, Jesus, we want to not be too weird today, but... Uh, the reason was my sister came to church, and I was like, man, oh fuss, I see, oh fuss. <laughs> I've really been trusting that she would turn to Jesus, and I was not trying to be weird. I was just, God, we need you in the house. I mean, if God is real, if God is real, if there's a God who created the heavens and the earth, the whole universe... I mean, is that powerful? Is it really such a stretch of the imagination to believe? To believe that he would at times intervene in our midst. I want to show you something. So look, there's some people that say, you know, they are the laws of nature. And the laws of nature cannot be broken. So in other words, the law of gravity. If I drop this, it's going to fall, right? Okay. Now, the laws of nature do not, they don't define reality. They, they describe, they don't prescribe, they describe. In other words, if this, if gravity, if, if I push this off, it's going to fall. So in the same way, nature, the laws of nature says it's going to, it's going to fall as it, as it did there. Okay. But now if God would intervene, it would be something like this. So, so the supernatural is that it should fall, but at certain times, God intervenes and he stops it. He catches it. He, 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 over, he overwhelms or he, in that sense, he breaks the law, but it, the law just describes, it doesn't prescribe. So in other words, when God intervenes, it seems like it's being broken, but it's not. It's just intervening. I'm, I'm intervening. It's like me. I'm intervening. I'm not breaking the law of gravity. I'm intervening. In the same way, God intervenes. He intervenes in our lives. He wants to touch our hearts. He wants to touch our beings. But unfortunately, a large part of the, of the church world has become dry with dead religion. In other words, God's not present. The power of God's not present. The Holy Spirit is not present as He wants to be. So we see it all through the book of Acts. We see incredible moves of God. Literary tongues of fire on the heads of people, thousands turning to Christ, mighty signs and wonders, people being healed, being set free from darkness on their souls. And all through script or all through Acts, you see this, and they say, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. In other words, they could see it. <laughs> what it looked like, maybe praying in tongues, 
maybe falling over, but they could see God coming into their midst. I mean, the one guy in Acts chapter 8, he was a sorcerer, and he was like, when he saw when the apostles prayed for him, they're like, man, can I buy this from you guys? This is powerful. I want this. And then Peter rebuked him and said, God is not interested in your money. <laughs> you know, but, but all through, that, that is the context of the gospel. And that's so important to understand. So let's go back one step. Jesus. So Jesus gets, after 30 years on earth, having done no miracles that we know of, he gets baptized in water by John the Baptist. The next moment, the heavens open. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove upon Jesus. And then he begins to do miracles. He starts to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he, what does he do then? He preaches, guys, the gospel, eh? good news. The kingdom is near. And then he went back to his house and he sat down, put on DSTV and had a good time. And the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, is that it? <laughs> Jesus, is this like, you just said, you just said, yeah, I, I, I told them, good news, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Bless you. Cheers, eh? have a good day. <laughs> no. Jesus had a message, the kingdom is at hand, and then he did ministry. He ministered to them, he healed them, he set them free, he multiplied food. He, whatever the need was, Jesus then addressed it. To show them, guys, this is truly good news. This is not good news 2,000 years from now. This is good news now. Come on, say now. The gospel is good news now. And that is the, the message and the ministry model that Jesus presented. The message plus ministry. Then he, he trained his disciples and he said to them, guys, I'm teaching you how to do this type of ministry. And then... Then he was about to leave. Now let's look at this. John 14, verse 16 to 17. And I will pray the Father. This is Jesus, just before he's leaving. He says, I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. So that word another helper means one just like me. Come on, say just like me. So Jesus is saying, guys, I'm going away. It will be to your advantage because I will send you the Holy Spirit. One just like me. In other words, I'm going to be with you and my ministry will continue. Are you seeing it? One just like me. Otherwise, why? Why just like Jesus? Morally good. Nice message, but not Jesus. If Jesus was here right now, he would do more than just preach a message. He would minister to people, and they would be impacted in their whole being. And he says that he may abide with you for a season forever. In other words, it's not just for a season. Some people believe the signs and wonders, they ended with the ending of the book of Acts. The scriptures were put together, and so the power of God is no longer for, for today. No, no, forever. Come on, say forever. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. In other words, there will be no end. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot receive because neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you at this time, but He will be in you. 
He's with you. That's why the disciples and the apostles prayed for others and the kingdom came. But he will be in them when Pentecost comes, when the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out. And Jesus was basically telling them, guys, my ministry, everything you've seen so far, it will continue through you when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. That is the theme we're seeing over and over again. Okay, so let's look at the gospel. What is the gospel? I want to build a, a quick biblical case so we can, can get clear about this. Would you want, as a believer in Christ, would you want the full gospel to be preached? The full gospel or partial watered-down gospel? Which would you choose? The full, obviously. If you're a believer in God and you love the Word of God, man, we want the whole gospel. We don't want the half, half, a half a gospel. We don't want a partial gospel. So what is the gospel? The biblical gospel is the fullness of Christ, which is the message of Christ plus the ministry of Christ. Guys, this is revolutionary <laughs> for your 80% of the church world. This would be revolutionary. And you say, Andre, why, where do you get this stuff? From the Bible. Let me show you. I want to show this. really powerful. A large part of the, of the church believes that the gospel is simply the message. I've, 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 say, I've, I've said, I've told you, Jesus, repent. I've, I've told you, I've, I've said the message. That's it. No. Look at what the Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, said. Romans 15, verse 18 to 19 says, Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. What Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God, that's the unbelievers to God, by my message and by the way I worked among them. My message And my ministry, and then he goes on to define it. They were, verse 19, they were convinced, come on, say convinced, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders. He spells it out. They were convinced, not by my eloquence, not by my nice message. They were convinced by the signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In other words, they didn't only see Healings. They didn't only see the lame walk or the blind see or the deaf hear. They didn't only see that. They encountered the living God. They encountered the power of the Holy Spirit that flooded in. I mean, how many times we've prayed for people where they're like, I don't know what this is, but there's a fire coursing through my being. Even somebody that even doesn't know Jesus. And the, and the, and the tears would run down their face and they would like be blown away. So at Shofar Malmesbury, there was a guy, um, he was a visitor at Shofar Malmesbury, and he's really battling with the things of the spirit and the supernatural and all these things. But he came to the whole weekend. And so Sunday evening, he's the municipal manager at Malmesbury. So he's like just below the mayor. Mayor's changed due to politics, but he's sort of supposed to be the same. So he's like, he's like running the town. And I, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, there's somebody here with pain in their left knee. I think it was the left. might have been the right, but I think it was the left. And then he came forward because he had pain for more than a year in his left knee. So then I prayed for him. I said, man, open your, open your hands. And I was a skeptic. Huh? So I'm praying for him. And uh, 
Praise God, Jesus heals him. The pain disappears after a year of pain, and he's so touched. But we didn't stop there. Then we continued to minister the goodness and the love of God, and the Lord starts to give me prophetic words for his life, and the tears start running down his face. Now he's a mama's bitty man. You know, boys don't cry until Jesus touches you. You know, so God, every miracle is a sign of God's love for somebody. It's tangible evidence for God's love for somebody. So it's the message of Christ, but it's also the ministry of Christ. So he goes on there, he says, They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. They were touched by the real God, by His love, by His goodness. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ. From Jerusalem and all around. Come on, say fully presented. So Paul the Apostle defines the gospel having been fully presented as the message of Christ plus the ministry of Christ. He said it there at the start of that verse as well, verse 18. I do not boast about anything. I can't do anything except what Christ has done through me. Are you, are you seeing it? Not what I have done, not my miracles, not me doing it. Christ through me. In other words, Jesus is still busy doing his ministry through the lives of his followers. That's the biblical standard. Convinced. I mean, and just to give you an example as well, I'm so, so proud of my, my wife, Sonica. So she goes to it. This, this is sort of how this would play out. The message and the ministry. So she goes to see her financial advisor. It was once a year, like feedback about retirement and things like that. And uh, I don't go because my faith is in Jesus. <laughs> I'm joking. Eh? I'm joking. <laughs> but I, I trust her. She's a CA, so she knows finances. So have fun, my honey. Have fun. So, so she goes and, and she decides, man, I want, we've had building relationship with this lady, financial advisor, and, and we want to bless her. So she took her book that she wrote, uh, Free to Be as a Gift, and she put some time aside, and she prayed, say, Lord, you know, what do you have on your heart for this lady? And so she writes down a prophetic word with a scripture, and, but something specific for what she felt God was saying over this woman. So they did the financial things, and then Sonica gave the gift and shared the word with her and prayed with her. And this lady was, was crying. She was so touched. The word was so spot on. It was like God speaking to her through Sonica. You're seeing it, the ministry of Christ Still continuing, still wanting to minister through us, still wanting to touch lives, still wanting to impact and reveal people to people that he loves them. If we only preach Christ, but without power, it is a partial gospel. If you only preach Jesus to be the Savior, but not powerful beyond that, you're preaching a partial gospel. It's not only preaching Christ crucified. There is something beyond that. A good start, obviously, preach Christ crucified, died for our sins, gave his life for us so that we can be saved eternally. But he is more than that now. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that reconciles broken lives and broken marriages and broken relationships. He is the one that does all of these things. Why? Because he's God. Amen. So there's another, another verse. 
1 Corinthians 2, again, the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about the one gospel, the true gospel. There is no other gospel. There is only one biblical gospel. But there's confusion in the church world concerning this. And one of the reasons is we so want to be dignified. We so want to be accepted. Uh, You actually believe in miracles. You're weird. I believe in Jesus. We want to be dignified. The interviews with the guys, with theologians, you know, the guys say they're terrified of saying they actually believe in miracles because the other uh, professors of theology will think they're stupid. So we are intimidated to back away from the true gospel because of the fear of man. And I'm like, stuff that. (laughs) I'd rather please God than please man. I would rather have someone encounter the living God. And be a vessel that God can work through than having this unbelieving partial gospel, embracing that. You see, the gospel of the kingdom is what Jesus preached. His apostles preached the same. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom, uh, the, uh, the apostle Paul preached that and the other disciples as well. So look, at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. It says, for I determined, this is Paul, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Yes, we preach Christ. We preach Jesus. Without Him, we're nothing. Without Him, we're lost. Without Him, our lives will fall apart. Without Him, we will fall back into our old ways, into sin and into darkness. Without Him, we have no hope. So we preach Jesus. Then it goes on in verse 4. And he says, the first one's a message. Now he says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But... In demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Come on, say demonstration. Demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And now a whole lot of people are like, yeah, the power of God is He touches your heart. Yes, He touches your heart. But go read the book of Acts. Go read the Gospels. The context of the Spirit and of power is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit plus signs and wonders. People being healed, people being set free, the kingdom of God coming mightily. And now he gives the solution. He says, so it's the message of Christ plus the ministry of Christ. And then he says, why? In verse 5, that your faith, come on, say faith, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Why? Why faith? Paul, why, why, why do you want all the new converts to have faith in the power of God and not in the preacher? Why do you want them to have faith in God and His power? It's simple. Because Jesus wants to continue His ministry through every new convert. Amen? So he wants real faith in the house. He wants someone to to experience the power of the living God, uh, experience the power of God, so they can realize that, no, I'm not just going to be a pew warmer for the rest of my life. I'm not just going to sit and think, oh, the preacher is so amazing. Now God is with me. So I'm going to pray for others. I'm going to step out. I'm going to see the kingdom of God come through me. You see, that's the whole point why Jesus went away. It was like, guys, I want to have millions of me running around. Now, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit through you. No, you're not God. 
It is the Holy Spirit working through us to impact the lives of people. Are you seeing it? Unbelief is like a cancer that is wrecking the church of Jesus Christ. It is horrific. The amount of unbelief. We do not believe that many believe, don't believe that God is powerful anymore. Many have embraced a diluted, partial gospel because of the fear of man, because of ignorance, because of bad experience, because of excesses. Yes, they are excesses. Yes, they are weird people. I often think Jesus, that charlatan, is being so much damage to the church of Jesus Christ. Fake healings, fake resurrections, yes, they are excesses. Yes, they are weirdos. Yes, some people abuse it. People exploit others. It's terrible. But it doesn't mean that we walk away from the Bible. It doesn't mean that we walk away from the Word of God. It doesn't mean that we ignore who Jesus truly is. Amen. So I want to show us quickly a video clip. Five minutes. It's about a guy that uh, read one of John Bevere's books, Driven by Eternity. He was impacted by it. And then he shares a story of how he took the, the presence of God into dark places. So that's the focus. How do we... Pentecost is supposed to go out. Okay, cool. You ready? Play. From 2007 to 2016, I was the front man of a metal band called For Today, which is a real weird way to get started in, in ministry, you know. But I need you to know that every single man standing on this stage will go to our grave swearing that that man called Jesus of Nazareth that they put to death in Jerusalem is alive, he's alive, he's alive, and he still changes lives today. Really, I just, I thought if I play this kind of music, it'll give me the chance to share the gospel with kids that probably won't hear it otherwise. And that was the case. We saw hundreds of thousands of people over the course of, of those 10 years make decisions for Christ. Atheists, Satanists, agnostics, drug addicts, suicidal people, just every night. My name is Maddie Montgomery, and this is my story. ready to rock right here so whenever you guys are ready do your thing all right well maddie it is so fun to be interviewing you i feel like i'm just like backstage getting the, the, the we're water. hanging out we're actually backstage right now <laughs> we are it's awesome we were just really inspired when you said that messenger international like john's books have yeah. made an impact on your life and you know everything you're doing today i wanted to know when the first time you picked up a messenger international book was and oh i, I remember specifically my wife like when we got engaged i think she went the next day and she bought me um driven by eternity and um and she said hey you need to read this book and so i i would read it on tour and and i got maybe uh a, a third of the way through the book and was just so deeply convicted i was reading the story of Aphabel and and i felt like the character in that in that book that i related to the the most was double life um and like i had this reputation for being this passionate man of god that preached the gospel but in my heart that's not who i was <laughs> and in, and uh, and you know I wasn't living in crazy sin or, or anything like that, but I um, it got to the point where I couldn't keep reading. I, I had to I was like physically sick to my stomach reading this book. I had to put it down and, and just get real with God about some things and really really just bring my heart to Him again. In the the few weeks before we got married, I finally felt like I had come to a place where I could stand it, and so I went back and finished the book. And since then, I've given it to people that I, I disciple. I have uh, interns. 
um, through our ministry back home, and and it's part of their curriculum. Is they 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 all read Driven by Eternity. They have to. Uh, that book laid a foundation for my life early on in ministry. That has been something I've leaned on significantly uh, many times since then. I love that. And one of the things is we're talking about this idea of, you know, creating messengers and, you know, spreading your message and being a messenger wherever you are and wherever you're planted. Can I ask what the craziest um, encounter moment you've had like that? Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was at a, uh, on a, on a sidewalk outside of a music venue that my band had just played in. There was a club next door. And so all these people are walking in and out of the club. So I'm out there like, what's up, man? Hey, Jesus loves you. And just being awkward i'm making it uncomfortable for everybody and this guy comes by and i go hey man you know you know jesus loves you and he's like okay you know yeah right and i said man do you you follow god and he's like well i have my own book i said what do you mean you have your own book and he said uh well you know i don't want to offend you and i said man you're not, i promise you're not going to offend me and he said well i'm a satanist and um and now normally you know you'd think you got to respect people's beliefs and i i would never advise anybody to do what i did in this situation but holy boldness overtook me and i looked at this guy and i said man i think you're the worst satanist i've ever seen in my life and i said i because i can see it when i look at you somebody's praying for you and i could just by the spirit i was able to tell like this guy he told me he was a satanist but in his eyes i could see that he didn't even believe the words that were coming out of his own mouth and, um, and I said, man, I, I, somebody's praying for you. You were raised in the presence of God. You're marked for his glory. And, and he is sort of looking at me with his eyes scrunched. And and, uh, and I said, who is it, man? And he, and he said, my, actually, both my mom and my grandma are believers. You know, they follow Jesus. And I said, man, I, it's all over you. And as I'm ministering to him, his, uh, his eyes begin to fill with tears. So I get really bold and I grab him by the face. And I'm... And I'm like, I'm not, we're not holding hands, we're going in. So I grab this guy by the face and I say, Jesus, I thank you that you love him. And I ask you that you would haunt him with the reality of your love for him. Don't ever let him run or hide from you again. And I, I just say, amen. And I, I finish and he goes, thanks, man, and, and shakes my hand and leaves. End of, end of the story, end of the night. But I get an email a couple days later. And he says, hey, I don't know if you remember me. My name's Daniel. I'm the Satanist that you prayed for on the sidewalk outside of that club the other night. And he says, uh, he said, on the way home, something, I found out that's God's other name, something. He said, on the way home, something came into my car. And I began to shake and weep. He said, I had to pull the car over on the side of the road. And I buried my face into my hands and I started crying like I've never cried before. He said, I remembered being a kid in church and he said, I, I remembered suddenly how to pray. And I prayed there in my car and I made Jesus the Lord of my life. And my favorite thing about it, my favorite thing about it is he said, man, so thank you for standing on that sidewalk. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for being there. And he ends the whole email by saying, your brother in Christ, Daniel. I'm Manny. I'm a messenger. And this is my story. That's good. Uh, come on, give Jesus a, a praise for that. You see, that's the real deal. The message plus the ministry. The message plus the presence of God. And whatever is needed in the situation, the presence of God will do that. So that's the original gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ has unfortunately been diluted. It has been reduced to a powerless, spiritless message. And that is not the biblical message. So there are three Gospels I want to quickly just touch on. The one is, the, there's a confusion between these. The one is the selfish Gospel. 
Now these are people and churches and preachers that blatantly abuse the scriptures. They do extremes. They don't ever talk about sin or you need to turn to Jesus. It's all about just success and those type of things. They tend to have a distorted theology. They don't talk about turning away from your sins to Jesus. It is always about, you know, God wants you to be blessed, 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 blessed. Which he wants to. <laughs> but the whole gospel is both sides. God is love, but he is holy. God is love, but we need to reverence him. He is, we're going to stand before him on judgment day. That's the truth. I mean, like with, with this guy, Matty, he shared about the fear of God came upon him. He realized, man, my life is not in order. I'm living a double life. I need to make right with God. That's the fear of God, and it's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Another area which has really done, done a lot of damage to what I believe the biblical gospel, the full gospel, are the guys that abuse people in terms of finances. Preachers, televangelists that abuse people in terms of the financial side of things. So there's a guy called Justin Peters, and I've, I've heard about him a few times, and he has, he has this crusade anti the supernatural, anti miracles, and he attacks on, on, on social media and, and videos and documentaries. He attacks any church basically that believes that God is still powerful, because that is evidence that you are false. And then I watched this one thing, and I found out the backstory. So he was born um, with a, a condition, cerebral palsy. So his legs are misformed. He can hardly walk. He walked with, with crutches, and he was in a wheelchair as a boy. When he was 16 years old, they went to a, you know, a healing preacher. It was a woman in this case. And his dad took him there, and he said, well, the moment the preacher saw him, <laughs> she tried to <laughs> go away. And the dad called her and said, no, but you must pray for him. So she prayed for him and uh, put some oil on him and nothing happened. And then this woman turned to her dad and to his dad and asked him, how's your financial situation? And he said, but what does my financial situation got to do with my son's healing? And then she said, well, the more you give unto the work of God, the more your prayers will be answered. Eish. Now, anybody that knows that's unbiblical, that's ungodly, that's abuse, that is a bad representation of Christ. We never pray for people for money or before money or after. It's not about money. It's about loving people. So I can understand 20, 30 years later that this Justin Peters believes all forms of the supernatural is a hoax. Yes, there are hoaxes. Yes, there are fakes and frauds and all of that. For every, if, uh, they are false prophets, but that doesn't mean they aren't true prophets. They are false self-appointed apostles. Doesn't mean that they aren't real apostles. Let's get back to what the Bible says. So, the prosperity gospel has done so much, so much damage, and we renounce that in Jesus' name. And I, Sonic, and I've said it years ago. Even if God would prosper us, even if, you know, my wife written, wrote an awesome book, I'm going to believe it's going to, it's going to sell millions. So, so even, even, if it's, even if it sells millions and we have a lot of money, I will never live an opulent lifestyle because it misrepresents Christ. Okay? You guys may. Okay? You're not a preacher. You're not a pastor. I can't. I can't afford it because it misrepresents who Jesus is. I do not believe that he would have lived in fancy mansions and, 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 and just, ugh. okay. 
So for anybody wondering about that, okay? So, so the, the selfish gospel is about me and my own fame, and that, that is ungodly rubbish. Then the second type of gospel is the partial gospel. And this is the, the, the very sincere believers, um, but it's a movement of preaching a partial Christ, a reduced Christ, a, a saving only Christ. He saves you and you turn away from your sins, but he's not anything more than that. Uh, it's just a classic. I mean, even just the way that these guys interpret Scripture is just like, guys, you're missing out. <laughs> you know, they, it's like this whole deal about the, the way they preach it is like you need to really think very little of yourself because you're a worm, you're a sinner, you're terrible for life, you know. There's no, where's the son? You're a son of God now. Where's the, I'm a child of the king now. Where's the, 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 the I'm a co-heir with Jesus and now the, his ministry continues through me. No, none of that. They, they miss out on the fullness of God. The truth is we need to realize how powerful we are in Christ. And yes, how pathetic we are without Christ. Okay, very important. Then the third one, the full gospel that I'm sharing with you this morning is the message of Christ plus the ministry of Christ. And this is all for the glory of Jesus, not for the glory of ourselves. Amen. So I'm going to end up with this last verse. Colossians 1 verse 27. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now this is powerful. Christ in you. The hope of glory. So that was the mystery that was revealed to Paul. That the, the original deal was Jesus comes. He reveals what ministry as a son of God looks like. He comes and dies in our stead for our sins. For all our stuff. So that we can have reconnected relationship with Father God. So that we can be washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that he can fill us with his Holy Spirit. So that the Spirit of Christ can come live on the inside of us. So that Christ in us can continue the ministry of Christ. Amen? I'm not God. I'm not saying I am Christ or God. I'm saying Him in us. His Holy Spirit in us now works through us. And this is the confidence. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope of glory, like hope speaks of anchor. Hope speaks of a confidence. It's like, man, Jesus lives in me. Woo so when I stretch forth my hand to pray for somebody, it is as if Jesus is stretching forth his hand. He's going to touch them. Their lives will be rocked. The kingdom of God's going to come now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So this confidence that we have, that my mouth, it's not just my mouth. It's like God comes and fills us with his glory, with his fullness, with his Holy Spirit. So it's no longer me that he's preaching. It is now Jesus that he's speaking his heart and his will and his love over the lives of people. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm thinking of a good story. Uh, Rosie, forgive me if I share. I'm going to share your story. I just feel some of us need to hear it. So Rosie, uh, Ellen's wife, the elders couple in church. So um, they had eight miscarriages. 
eight miscarriages. And uh, Rosie fell into depression. And uh, it was uh, for five years on antidepressants and going through, through hell. They were in very, very bad, bad space. They started to come to church. And as I remember correctly, the moment she would go off antidepressants, she would become suicidal. Just for a week or what off, she'd become suicidal. So she had to be on the antidepressants. There's a chemical imbalance in her brain. And then she was, they were in one of the, our meetings here. And uh, we, I, said, you know, I said, guys, pray, turn to one another, pray for one another. This 2013, this is like one of the first healing miracles we, we had in, in 2013. And, uh, and I think the next moment she felt like fire burning through her brain, like someone sticking a rod of fire, like heated fire into her brain. It was painful, like for five minutes or so. And her husband prayed with her. And then the pain went away. And about two months later, she realized, I haven't taken any of my antidepressants in two months. Jesus healed her. Isn't that awesome? Come on, give Jesus praise. I'm sharing this because I know some of us wrestle with these things. Every story I'm sharing is an invitation for you to experience the same. Because Jesus wants to do it again and again and again. He wants to touch your life. He wants to come and live on the inside of you through his Holy Spirit. He said, this helper, one like me, I'm gonna, he's going to come. I'm going to send him to you. And it's not just like you pray a little prayer and say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. And then you're on your own. No, I come and live on the inside of you through my Holy Spirit. And I give you supernatural peace, supernatural joy. And I empower you to release my same ministry unto others so that my kingdom can come. That is the real gospel. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. Because as I showed us in the scriptures, it is undeniable. And I believe God has called us to, to help the wider body of Christ to discover this again. That's why we must be as little weird as possible. We must be as, as, as faithful and humble and meek and sincere and loving as we possibly could be. Because we don't have the, the liberty to act like idiots if we want to win hearts for Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to read that again. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory, glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. So we see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to the disciples, guys, go to Jerusalem, go wait there for the promise of the Father that's going to be poured out of you, the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses for me to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and, and so many other places, Jesus is revealed as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. In other words, he wants to fill you with his spirit, save you, cleanse you, and fill you with himself. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.